Hi, everyone. This is Jennifer. I was a corporate flight attendant for six years, and I tell you the brutally honest truth of the industry. So please welcome to the Corporate Flight Attendant Podcast. And for my regular listeners, you guys get a bonus episode. I'm dropping this on a day. I normally don't drop it because I thought it was such an important episode to discuss. And I watched this episode of Succession last night in excuse me, I didn't want to wait on it. So I wanted to make sure you got the information. So today we are discussing season four, episode three, Connor's wedding of the HBO Max show Succession. Now, please know there are spoilers. (laughs) So I have probably put in the title that there's spoilers. I've put in the show notes, I've put in the YouTube notes that there's spoilers. So Please know all of this and do not watch it if you are a Succession fan and you definitely want to watch this show or this episode. If you have Succession in your queue and you really are looking forward to it, I would not watch this episode. So definitely for those two uh, types of watchers, definitely put this episode in your YouTube queue or your podcasting queue and then come back to it because you don't want to have any spoilers. Now, if you're someone who just doesn't watch Succession and you have no desire to, then yeah, watch the episode because I'm not spoiling anything for you. So just, I'm going to start doing the spoilers now. So again, shut this off if you need to. Okay. So We are dissecting season four, episode three, Connor's wedding. And I'd like to really delve into this because they had a major event happen on a private jet. So I wanted to kind of tell everyone what was real, what's not real, what was accurate, what's not accurate about this situation. And I watched it with my husband, who's been in this industry or corporate aviation for 35, 36 years. So he knows this backward and forward. I'm sorry, guys, allergies. I apologize. First of all, the plane that they are flying on is a business Boeing jet or a BBJ. And I haven't had experience on a BBJ. I'm the flight attendant that's done the G650s and the Challengers and the the Globals and uh, Falcon 8Xs and all of that. But I've never done that much bigger business jet, which the biggest one you're going to get besides obviously the 747s and all of that is the BBJ or Boeing business jet. So I thought that was good for dramatic effect that they put them on a bigger jet. So this is really interesting. They keep saying that they're flying out of Teterboro, and Teterboro is the hub of corporate aviation. It's located in New Jersey, and the airport is around 10 minutes from New York City, for those of you who don't know. So they keep saying in the episode, we're flying out of Teterboro, we're coming back to Teterboro. But actually, if you look at the scene and you look at the fall foliage, they were not filming at Teterboro. So my husband's guess was Stewart International Airport up in um, Newburgh, New York. My original guess was Westchester County Airport in White Plains, New York. And I think I was right. We looked it up and it seemed to be HPN or Westchester County Airport in White Plains, New York, which I thought was kind of cool. And please know that a BBJ cannot land 
or take off in Teterboro. That's not possible because the runway is too short and it's probably too much of a heavy jet. So just know that as well. But of course, they're going to use Teterboro because that's the popular airport. You can also see in the background Atlantic FBO. And remember that FBO is that private jet terminal. So they kept showing that and that's accurate as well. So what happens in the episode is a passenger falls ill and he must get chest compressions or CPR. And I have a feeling what happened was the writers looked up what happened I want to guess and say now it's probably about seven, eight years ago with American Express on a private jet. One of their executives basically had a heart attack and they were doing chest compressions and they could not revive him and he passed away on the plane. So I wonder from the CPR part if that is why they chose this and if they did, it was very accurate. I have to say, looking at that whole episode, it was very realistic my husband confirmed that it was very realistic. This is probably how this would exactly go down. And I'm going to talk about a couple exceptions to that. But I have to say hats off to the writers because they must have researched this and researched what would happen on a private jet and either ask pilots or flight attendants. And I have to say good job to them. So what happens is the passenger who falls ill the way they see that the episode is so hectic that I think what they meant was that the passenger was having trouble breathing, goes into the lab or the bathroom and he's in the front lab. So near the cockpit and he closes the door and he's in there for too long and they can't get to him. So they say they unlock the door from the outside and they basically take him out and they put him on the jet floor and they start doing compressions and they would be doing that in the cabin. So what I was impressed by is they had two flight attendants there and you could see when they were doing the chest compressions, the flight attendants were switching on and off. And that is correct because if you guys have ever done CPR on a mannequin, it's insane. It's absolutely insane because it takes so much energy and you are pushing so hard on the person. Even just doing CPR for a minute, two minutes on someone is exhausting. So you have to think about, let's say they put this scene on a G650 where it's only one flight attendant. That flight attendant would have to be doing that CPR for oh my God, and I, you have to take a break because you're a human. And I think in that situation, what might happen is the co-pilot may come out from the cockpit and help this passenger, I'm, I'm sorry, and help this flight attendant do CPR because otherwise, I mean, your body just gives out. And for those of you who don't know much about CPR, when you are doing CPR on someone, and I've only done it on a mannequin, you're pressing down so hard. And on the mannequin, it lights up. So if you're not pressing down hard enough in the right spot, it won't light up. And you have to press down so hard on the person that you're breaking ribs. At the very least, that person is going to have a horribly bruised chest. So yeah, and, and you think of someone like me who I'm five foot one, I'm really tiny. I'm a hundred pounds and to have someone pushing down on me like that, I think most of my ribs would be broken. 
So yeah, it, I thought that was an accurate scene. I noticed when they were doing the chest compressions or CPR, if I remember the scene correctly, they were not doing the breaths into his mouth. Maybe they were. I'm sorry if they were and I didn't catch that. But let's say they weren't. That is the way they are teaching CPR now or the last time I took a CPR course, you do not have to breathe into the person's mouth. So I found that very realistic as well. They say that the flight attendants are talking to a medical service that is helping them. That is correct. That would be the first thing that would happen is, first of all, the pilots would contact any nearest airport and say, we are having a medical emergency and they want to do an emergency landing. I'm going to go over that in a second. I don't want to go into the emergency landing thing right now. And then they would call either MedAir or Aircare Cruise. Those are the two services. Sorry, not Aircare Cruise, just Aircare. <laughs> Aircare Cruise is where you get flight attendants. So they would be calling Aircare or MedAir. And they those services would be guiding you through what to do. They would have a doctor on the line. They would have an EMT on the line. So you would feel guided through the process. Then the flight attendants take out the defibrillator and they do the defibrillator. And that is the machine that shocks you back to life. I'm sure you know what it is. That to me is pretty accurate. And when you have a defib, how they teach you in training is you have to put the paddles correctly on the body or you're not going to get the shock. And what happens is you put the paddles correctly on the body or the patches you, you rip off the, um, the backing and you put the, the, um, I'm sorry, the patches on the body and then you press and they say, okay, about to administer shock, press and stand back. So you press the button, you stand back and you watch the shock being given to that passenger. And then the body rises very accurate to what you see on television that is correct. That is absolutely correct. And again, that medical service who's on the line with you would be talking you through this. And by the way, for those of you who said, well, what happens if you call them via cell phone? You have a satellite emergency phone on that plane. And we don't talk a lot about satellite phones because they're so expensive to use. But sometimes I would have passengers just use the satellite phones because they're freaking billionaires and they can afford it. So if it's, you know, whatever, like hundred dollars a minute, they can afford that. <laughs> so yeah. And in a medical emergency, you would obviously want to be in the best connection and be on that satellite phone, or sometimes they have in the equipment, something you can directly call. So just know that that is accurate. Um, Okay, so the other passengers are at the back of the plane. Again, that's accurate. The flight attendants would make the other passengers move to the back so they have the space and the room to do what they need to do. In the episode, there's a reason certain people on the ground. Okay, let me just do a little background. They're on the plane. They are communicating with people on the ground, and they're communicating via cell phone. So there's a certain reason that people on the ground want to keep the, pain, the plane circling to make a business decision, but that would never happen. That would absolutely never happen. 
The pilots would override that in one second. If you have a medical emergency and for a business decision, you want to keep the plane circling, absolutely not. That would not happen. The pilots wouldn't even entertain that. They would say, sorry, we're doing an emergency landing or sorry, we're doing this or that. That is absolutely not happening. And the FAA wouldn't allow it. They would be in big trouble with the FAA if they did that. So mm -mm, just not happening, just so everyone knows. And I think what happened in the episode is the <laughs> the passengers were smart enough not to take that to the pilots. So someone also calls from the ground and asks a passenger to speak directly to the pilot. And the passenger says he can't come on the phone because he's flying the plane. That's the right call. Absolutely. You do not bother pilots in an emergency situation, in a possible emergency landing situation, in a medical situation. They have enough to worry about. They're communicating with the tower. They're trying to get ambulances there. They're trying, you know, on the ground, wherever they're going to land, they have to worry about all of that. So the last thing they need is some passenger, some rich guy in their ear babbling to them about things they don't know. So just know that. And by the way, I just want to say that the pilot doesn't have the answer. Keep that in mind. The pilots are flying in the cockpit. They don't know what's going on with the passenger in the back. So if this passenger, sorry, if this person on the ground calls a passenger to speak to the pilot, what does the pilot know? You know, I mean, yes, I guess they could say, okay, we're emergency landing here or whatever. But that, again, you don't want to distract the pilot from his or her job or the pilots from their job. Also in the episode, they say that they are flying from Teterboro, again, Teterboro, New Jersey, right outside New York, to Sweden, to Stockholm, Sweden. Oh, I said Stockholm. I'm guessing Stockholm. It could be anywhere in Sweden. And they should have emergency landed in real life at a nearest airport who could handle the medical attention. They should have done that. That's what would have been done as long as the plane is obviously not over water. You obviously can't land in the middle of the Atlantic. And as my husband pointed out last night, that if you're flying from Teterboro to Sweden or to Europe, you're most likely going, well, I would say, I'm sorry, northern, more northern Europe, you're going up the coast. So you're flying that plane up the coast, then you're heading east over the Atlantic. So if they were flying over land, they could have done an emergency landing in Boston. They could have done it in big airports in Connecticut. Uh, they could have done Stewart. They could have done all sorts of things. And because this episode was done for a dramatic effect, that was not the choice. So I just want everyone to know that in real life, they would have emergency landed somewhere. They would have not waited to go all the way back to Teterboro. That would have not happened. So just so everyone is well aware. But also in the episode, they don't really specify how long it's been since takeoff. So you're not really clear. So are they only 15 minutes outside of Teterboro? I don't think they are because the episode takes place over what seems to be a longer period of time. So my guess is they've been on the plane for a couple hours. So again, who knows? But definitely they would have emergency landed just so everyone knows that. Okay. So again, I just want to say hats off to the succession writers for just really researching the episode, doing a great job. It's a great episode. It's really dramatic. It's very realistic to real life, what would happen on a private jet. And yeah, 
So I just want to come on and just do a quick bonus episode for you guys today. Please note, because of time restraints today, I am not editing the episode because I just don't have time. So please know that. So you're going to hear a couple more ums and whatever. So please forgive me. And remember to check out the Corporate Flight Attendant book, A Brutally Honest Guide to Your Dream Job. I revised the book for 2023. I added a chapter on interview cover letter and resume, and I expanded a day in the life chapter. And I updated salary and daily rate information. And I addressed predictions I made for this business in 2020, especially with regard to COVID. And my CFA list bundle is now in the book. The link is in the show notes. If you bought the older edition of this book, I am happy to replace it for free as long as you email me the record of, now I lost my place. <laughs> as long as you email me a record of when you originally bought it, I now have both the EPUB and PDF versions I can send you. So email me at freespiritpodcasts at gmail.com. If anyone is watching this on YouTube and you are new to this podcast, please listen to the Corporate Flight Attendant Podcast. It is available everywhere and we talk about all sorts of things. So check that out. And for those of you listening on the podcasting platforms, please give me a five-star rating and review because it goes so far as I always talk about. Really appreciate that. And if you are watching on YouTube, please leave a nice comment. <laughs> and, um, please give me a thumbs up. I am dropping the next episode on next Friday, April 21st, 2023, where I'm discussing my experience with the Bombardier Challenger 600 series. I may have a little small story about the band One Direction. Until then, happy flying. <laughs>